0: You are listening to Absent minded brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Absent minded It's Patrick Bexel. We're at number nine of the top 25, under 25. I'm here with Matt Drake of Bottom Six Minutes fame, so everyone will know. That we're gonna talk about yoshua Ra today, Matt. How
0: are you doing? I'm I'm doing terrific. We're talking about the true number one today. All right, number number nine on the list, number one in your hearts. How can he be number true number one when you have him ranked four? <laughs> well, like I said, uh, you know the, the the ranking is the ranking, but then there's also you know the the true ranking. If you, if you rank with your heart, you know he's number one. Why? Uh, the... Yeah, there's you know there's just some, there's some guys that you just can't uh you can't not put them ahead of him unfortunately <laughs>
1: um the the um uh, eyes on the price community had him at 12
0: are you surprised by that um you know what I'm, I'm a little bit surprised but at the same time i'm not because this was um you know going into this list i think we all talked about it right in, in, in our eotp slack chat and on twitter uh we've seen people on reddit in the comments on the articles this is one of the toughest years in terms of ranking players, because they've got such a strong system. So it's not surprising to me that, that um, we see such a variance, um, particularly from, like, from my opinions to other people's opinions. It's, it's got a lot to do with how much you value other guys. Like for me personally, everybody from 15 down, I feel very strongly about, uh, I think I said this to Jared on the last podcast that we did together. There are some guys that are in my, in my early teens that, you know, if, if things change a little bit this year, they could jump 10 spots for me. Um, and vice versa, there's guys in my top five and my top six that could easily drop down 10 spots, uh, depending on what happens this season. So it, it was a tough year for ranking. And um, I, I think it makes sense that we see some some variance, uh, even as we get uh, into the top ten here.
1: We have mentioned a plateau, uh, especially from from fourteen to thirteen, with five names in it. We are on on, on a rise here, but a steady rise because Joshua Ra uh, comes in. Uh, he got two two full points down with Owen Beck coming in at eleven point nine. He Roa comes in at. Uh, 10.1 and the next player comes in at 9.1 so the, 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 he's he's in a, a section of his own really
0: yeah and uh look i mean i'll, I'll get it out of the way right off the top because you mentioned it already right i had him ranked at number four and i think a lot of people are probably going to look at that and say matt you're nuts that's a little high right um for, for me it was I'm, I'm looking at number one one of the biggest things that influences my ranking is uh is upside right Uh, You look at a player like him, his upside has gone through the roof over the course of the last two seasons. I mean, if you had to go back and redraft that 2021 draft, I don't think anybody would argue the fact that he's going in the first round. The question wouldn't be, is he going to go in the first round? The question would be, where in the first round does he go? Does he even get all the way up into like the top 15, the top 10 area of that draft? It's entirely possible. That's how good he's been since his draft year. And for me, the amount of improvement that he's shown it, it was impossible for me to rank him any lower than I did last year. Last year I had him at five. So I bumped him up a spot this year. Um, I'm, I'm willing to die on this Hill. And uh, this is one where I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do this year to prove me right. And if he proves me wrong again, um, I, I have no problem sliding him down on my list next year. But uh, for, for me, I I think he deserves uh, a top five spot. I think he's improved a lot of areas that he needed to improve in order to improve his, uh, his outlook in the NHL. And that alone was enough for me to, to, to want to, increase him on my list and he falls two spots like you mentioned but this year people falling a couple of spots it's you can't take that as a slight against them it's just they have so many good prospects right now um it's a good problem for the Montreal Canadiens to have that a guy who scores 100 points a year in junior uh is is ranked just inside of the top 10 and has people even ranking him in the teens it's a fantastic problem for the Montreal Canadiens to have
1: well I'm no fan of arguing with people that are not present. But uh, what would you say to Hardy and um, Scott? And and I know David Luis has come around a little bit on on Roar, but uh, especially Hardy,
0: maybe. Well, Hardy, tough to argue. Hardy's a smart cookie. Uh, He he watches a lot of junior hockey, more than than me. So he, he knows what he's talking about. But what I'd say is we need to look at the progression. Right for me, it was that progression that really, like I said, uh, the improvements that he made that pushed him up for me and made me want to bump him up a spot from what I had him at last year, because he's a guy that the the one thing that's never in question with him is his work ethic. He's done nothing but work tirelessly since that draft year. I think he he maybe took that personally a little bit that he was a top pick in the QMJHL draft. He was number one overall in that draft, and then has a bit of a lackluster draft year and falls on people's draft boards as a result. I think he took that fifth round selection a little bit personally. And I think that's a good thing uh, because we saw him just get better and better and better over the course of those two years. Um, So I I think I I understand why Hattie ranked him down. Um, One of the biggest problems that he's got in his game is in in transition uh, because he still lacks a little bit of that quickness to get through the neutral zone on his own. He needs, line mates that can really help him with that progression from the defensive zone into the offensive zone. And I, I, I would assume, and you know, I can't speak for Hattie because he's not here. I think that uh, you know, that work that he still has to do on his transitional game. I think that probably played a factor in Hattie's ranking at 13. Um,
1: I don't think we, we anybody's values skating as
0: a lot as well. In, in his he rankings. Yeah. He values skating a lot. And that's the one area that, um, and, and I'll say this, Joshua Hawaii has made some significant improvement to his skating. He has. It's just still not quite where it needs to be for the NHL, right? There's 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 good skaters in junior, right? And then there's good skaters at the NHL level. And we know there's there's a massive gulf between the two. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not easy for some players to cross that gulf. Um, I think he can do it because I've seen the improvement. So for me, I, I didn't let the skating drag my ranking down because I've seen improvement. So that gives me belief that he can get even better. Uh, when he gets to work with Adam Nicholas a little bit more this season, I think he's going to get even better. When he gets some time to to play in Laval for a little bit and really work on his craft, I think he's going to get better. So for me, that wasn't a big factor in my ranking. I, I do think that it was probably a big factor for those who had him uh, between 10 and 13 there, though.
1: Yeah, and, and let's talk about it directly. Um, that is his objective weakness is his skating but he has worked with different uh skating coaches in order to to improve there on his own um, paying for it by himself
0: and 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 arguably also getting better yeah and i i think that for again for me was a, a big factor was he's been getting better he's actually gotten faster since his draft year like previously when you saw him skating through the neutral zone it was pretty evident that he was um, I, I wouldn't say slow. I think slow is, is, is a tough adjective to use when you're talking about uh, players that get drafted in the NHL. Nobody is slow. They're slow comparative to some of their peers, um, which I think was kind of evident with Joshua uh, initially uh, after being drafted. But last year, I mean, towards the end of the year, uh, or not last year, the year before, right, when he had 119 points for Sherbrooke. He started out the year looking pretty slow and looking winded at the end of every shift, right? He would go out there for a 45 to one minute shift. And by the end of that shift, you'd see him sucking wind, you know, hands on his knees, getting to the bench, uh, doubled over on the bench, looking like, you know, his conditioning was off by the end of the year, he was starting to leg out icings, right? They would, uh, you know, somebody shoots the puck from the wrong side of the red line and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, Oh, this is going to go for icing. And then all of a sudden he pops into the screen and you see him beating out that icing That's not something that he was doing at the beginning of that season. And that continued into last year and he got even better. Uh, You're starting to see him when he cuts through the neutral zone, he's uh, he's mixing in crossovers a little bit better to help himself pick up speed. Um, He looks less hunched over. That was one of the big problems. David St. has a great video out about it actually on YouTube. If anybody hasn't seen it um, where he actually points out some of the weaknesses in his skating. And he made that video, I think about a year and a half ago. And since then you've seen him, it's almost like he watched David's video and took some of those pointers. And uh, you know, he's standing a little bit more upright. He's getting a little bit more flexion in his ankles and he just looks like a more polished skater. As long as he continues that trend, I think that the issues that you see in his transition game, they're going to get smoothed out right now. Uh, if if they were to put him on the Habs tomorrow, and he was to skate on in the top six or bottom six, wherever you put him in the lineup, the one problem that he's going to have is that you're going to need to have speedier line mates that can do that carrying through the neutral zone for him. He's extremely good in both the offensive and defensive zones. But that transition aspect is where he needs some help. And that's why he kind of needs those good line mates. So it kind of handcuffs you a little bit in terms of how you can use them because you need to have specific line mates that can do that carrying for him. You saw it at the World Juniors. He worked very well with Connor Bedard. And that's not an easy task. He's one of the best players in the world. Uh, Certainly, uh, I would say the best player under the age of of 20 in the world. And we saw it at the World Juniors. He was the best player in that tournament by a sight. And Joshua Nguyen did not look out of place with him. But the thing was, Bedard was doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it came to the transitional game. And um, and you saw that. And it worked, but that presents a problem for the Habs because they they don't have a Connor Bedard. So they're going to have to, if they use him in the NHL at all, they're going to have to make sure that he's got the right line mates. I remember um, in my army service, we have conscription here in
1: Sweden, uh, just like uh, Oliver Kaplan has in Finland. Um, but um, one of my my mates in the army he used to play with um peter forsberg and marcus nasland and uh, (laughs) matthias and and he was like i also potted in a couple of you know good goals in in every tournament uh, but i didn't get that nhl deal and and um, well it's easy to play as well i mean i could have gotten a few points with bedard on my uh, at my center Mm. if i were a bit younger being canadian and uh, actually could skate
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I've heard people saying that a few times. And, you you know, you hear that often. You hear it with guys like Jake Gunsel, too, where uh, in Pittsburgh would say, wow, it's easy to play with Sidney Crosby. What I would implore people to do when it comes to Joshua Roy is if if that's what you think, if you think that his tournament was only as good as it was because he was playing with Connor Bedard, go back and look at those games again. But I, I want you specifically to keep your eyes on Joshua Roy and look at how he was helping that line, right? He was the guy that was going in and digging pucks out of the corner. He was the guy that was playing the physical role, the crash and bang, getting to the net, getting to loose pucks, turning pucks over. That's something that Bedard needed from him. He had to be the guy that was, you know, getting the opportunities by going in and doing that heavy forecheck. And that's an aspect of Hawa's game that I I don't think is talked about enough is how good he is on the forecheck. He is incredibly physical. Uh, he has no problem getting in on guys and putting body on them. However, one of his favorite things to do is just to take awkward angles, kind of come at you from behind or from the side, and then just do a quick little stick lift. He's his hands are very fast. He's very capable of just like jacking the puck from somebody and just immediately going off and turning it into an offensive opportunity. And so one second, you can have the puck on your stick in the corner and, be, and kind of be scanning your options. And the very next second it's on his stick and he's feeding one of his teammates on the other side or in the slot. It's, It's, it's incredible how good he is at that four check. And if you really go back and you look at that tournament and you watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll go, you know what? Maybe he wasn't, you know, a passenger on Connor Bedard's wing there. Maybe he wasn't just benefiting from having that fantastic player. He was actually a complimentary player. (laughs) And I would also implore everybody. You can Google it. The quote is very easy to find. Connor Bedard himself called Joshua one of the smartest players that he's ever played with. Um, had nothing but nice things to say about how good he was in that tournament. So I think, you know, obviously Connor Bedard, one of the best players in the world, right? Nobody. I'm not trying to take anything away from him at that tournament. However, I think he benefited a lot from having a guy like Gwai on his wing, a smart player uh, that's capable of going in and doing some of that dirty work in the corner, but also has a lot of skill. Another player that uh,
1: had a lot of skill, struggled with his skating, for, for quite some time in his uh, development years after the draft, a certain Arthur Lekkonen. Can yeah. you draw? Pa- I mean, when you mention Forecheck, when you mention Smart, when you mention other things, you you might want to be able. I mean, can you compare those two?
0: You know what? I, I I know you're sick of hearing the Lekkanen comparisons because I think Habs fans have been trying to find the next Lekkanen ever since we lost Lekkanen or traded him, didn't lose him. Um, th- th- there is a legitimate comparison there because what, when he, he was drafted, if you go back and you read the, um, the the draft guides and you see any of the profiles that were written on him previously, uh, the, the pre-draft reports on him read like he's Mike Hoffman, like this guy's just a shooter, that's what he does. He shoots the puck well and that's it. That's not the case anymore. Over the course of the last two years, he's become an absolute ace defensively. Um, he's capable of getting back uh, because his skating's gotten better. So when he's able to get back, he's able to apply some of that back pressure. He uses a lot of those same skills that I talked about in the offensive zone on the forecheck, in terms of number one, putting his body on people, leaning on them, uh, getting them into the corner, pinning them up there, uh, using his stick to uh, to take the puck off of them and then turn it around and get it going the other way. Uh, A lot of those same skills um, are are evident. The one difference I'd say, uh, where again, it's the same problem that 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 gulf that he needs to cross in terms of his neutral zone skating uh, to get better in transition Arturi Lekkonen was a pretty effective player in transition. So that's the one area where it's not very comparable. But in the defensive zone, he's got a lot of those same qualities in terms of just knowing where he needs to be. Um, Good hockey IQ, excellent positioning, um, good body positioning, making sure that he's cutting off the right angles so that players can't get inside on him. Um, There's a lot of those same elements that Arturi Lekkonen used to bring to the Montreal Canadiens that Joshua Roy brings in his game now. Um, I think you'll see it uh, in Laval. I think you'll absolutely see... Um, how good he can be in the defensive zone. And I think that's going to be a massive benefit to him in terms of his NHL future, because there aren't a lot of wingers that are defensive stalwarts, right? Usually the better defensive forwards, uh, they they play down the middle, right? And I, I think he has that potential to become maybe the maybe the next Artur Lechenden for the Montreal Canadiens in terms of his ability to play defense, but then also contribute at the offensive end.
1: We know though that Artur Lechenden spent two years in front of that, Doing the macaroni yes. box for, for after every practice for thirty minutes. I have still not figured out what kind of of um, practice that is. But uh, the the skating coach called uh, told me that you should ask Arthur Lechner about the macaroni box because that's how he learned how to skate much much better, um, especially technically. Uh, the power was always there, but it did, he didn't use that power properly. We're going to take a quick ad break and then we'll be back uh, shortly with more Joshua Ra from uh, Matt Rake with the bottom six minutes. The god of mischief is back and better than ever.
0: Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. I'm a over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two now streaming
1: only on Disney Plus. We've spoken a little bit about the negatives or, or the areas of improvement, the comparison. One thing for me that doesn't follow the QMHL is you know it stands out two hundred points in, in forty-two games. Really, how does? QMHL translate
0: into AHL production and, and and down the line NHL production it's an interesting question because there's really no rhyme or reason to it the only guys that you see that that really translate are the elite ones right Your Sidney Crosby's um your um your Nathan McKinnon's right I mean Nathan McKinnon came in from uh the QMJHL and he went on and what had 60 some odd points in his rookie season and now he's 100 100 plus point perennial um all-star player um I, I mean but these are, we're talking about generational talents, right? One of the examples that I like to go back to is Patrice Bergeron. If you go and look at his stats from the QMJHL, and that's all, you know, right? Let's say you've never seen him play a game of hockey and you just go take a look at his uh, elite prospects page and you go see how many points did Patrice Bergeron have. You're going to look at that. And if that's the only information that you have to go off, you're going to go, well, this is a pretty pedestrian player, but look at what he became in the NHL, right? Um, When you look at Joshua Roy's numbers, obviously you're seeing a player that uh, he excels at uh, putting up points. He had 119 points in 2021-22, had 99 points last year in uh, about 11 less games. Um, So over the course of those two seasons, uh, you know, you're talking about over 200 points that uh, he put up. And he's extremely effective. Number one, uh, shooting the puck, his shot is extremely accurate. And number two, uh, his passing game has really come up since he's been drafted. Uh, he's one of the best playmakers in the QMJHL, uh, over the course of the last two seasons. And, um, how is that going to translate? Um, to be honest, I, I don't have a formula for it. I, I definitely don't think he's going to be a hundred point player in the NHL or in the AHL. Uh, but I, I think, what we need to look at more is the projectable aspects of his game and that's why i use the patrice bergeron example because what was patrice bergeron always very good at was playing in his own zone having a good 200 foot game right being good at both ends of the ice is how he had success so you could look at his numbers in the queue and you could say well they're not that great um, you, and even if he did have 100, 200 points over the course of two seasons in the QMJHL, that wasn't what was going to make him successful at the next level. What was going to make him successful was the way that he thinks the game, his positioning, um, the responsibility in his own zone. That's what gets you to the dance. That's what makes you, um, you know, important for a coach to have in the lineup. That's what makes you undeniable uh, for the coach to have to put you, um, you know, in the top six maybe. And that leads to you getting the opportunities that lead to you getting the points. So, uh, I, again, I, I think he's over the course of the last two years improved his ceiling and his floor. His floor at this point is probably like a bottom six, uh, you know, defensive winger that can also chip in offensively and play special teams. Uh, I think he could be like a Paul Byron without the blazing speed uh, for the Montreal Canadiens at worst. At best, he could play in the top six. And if he gets into the top six, you 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 wait and see what kind of opportunities he's going to generate for himself, and uh, he'll 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 get the puck uh, to the right people. And if he can't get the puck to the right people, watch out for that shot too. I I have a lot of confidence in him being able to translate to the next level. The question is how much.
1: We're we're looking at a season where um, because of a lot of different factors, Joshua uh, will have to be outstanding in camp in order to not be pawned on Laval Rocket. Uh, he can even be stand out in camp and still be part of, of, of the rocket going forward. Realistically, what should we expect from him this year?
0: I think, um, and you know, I, I wrote this in the profile as well. I think the best place for him to start is going to be Laval. Um, I, I just think that, you know, working on some of those transitional aspects of his game is going to be important. Adjusting to the speed of pro hockey is, is going to be important before he starts taking on those NHL minutes. However, I would not be surprised if he plays games in a Montreal Canadiens uniform this season. Um, one of the things that I haven't touched on yet is something that really kind of came out of nowhere last year is that he was one of the best penalty killers in the QMJHL. And we saw it also at the World Juniors. I don't know if anybody hasn't seen it yet, but I actually have a clip up on my Twitter. If you, if you want to go find it, you can just go search on Twitter for Joshua Hawaii penalty kill. He had a shift against the Americans where he went one on five and kept the puck in their zone for about 30 seconds. And we're talking one on five, like he's bodying people. He's again, using some of that quick stick work to lift sticks and take the puck off of them. Uh, his penalty killing is incredible. And he was the go-to forward on a Sherbrooke unit that killed over 83% of their opportunities last year. Uh, they were the best penalty kill in the QMJHL. And it was a lot of it thanks to him because he's never in the box. He had 12 total penalty minutes. So he's always available for you uh, to kill off those penalties. And he's extremely good at it. That's, I think alone is going to earn him some opportunities with the Montreal Canadiens if and when there are some injuries. So, what should we expect? I think definitely starting the season in, in Laval. Um, and the good news there is that he'll get an opportunity to play top six. He'll get an opportunity to play power play and he'll probably get an opportunity. He should definitely get an opportunity to play penalty kill uh, and show people what he can do there. And I think once he gets those opportunities, once he can kind of show, um, those important small details to his game uh, that make NHL players valuable. I think he's going to earn himself a call up at some point when they need a body. Um, that's, that's all I can really say at this point. I don't, I, I don't want to put like a, a number on him for how many points I think he's going to get. I think a lot of that's going to be depending on, on what kind of line mates he gets and what kind of role they give him in Laval. Um, but I would absolutely expect him to be playing all situations uh, in Laval. Uh, it's, it's, it's necessary for, for them to give him the opportunity to show what he can do. Special teams is a big part of his game uh, on both, again, power play and penalty kill. So I, I'd, I'd look for him to get a lot of opportunities in Laval and, uh, and we'll see what he can do with them.
1: So top six minutes instead of bottom six minutes and a uh, time on ice somewhere around 18 minutes probably?
0: I'd say so. I mean, he's like, I mentioned already his conditioning. It's come way up since the draft. Um, He's, he's capable of eating a lot of minutes for you. I mean, he was playing. There was, there was times last year in the playoffs for Sherbrooke where it felt like he never left the ice. He's just constantly out there because he's on their. He was on their power play one, their PK one, and he was on obviously their top line as well. So he was probably um, I, I don't have the data in front of me, but I think there was a couple of games where he played over 25 minutes uh, in the playoffs. So He's, he's absolutely capable of eating those minutes for you, and uh, I, I think it would be it would be a mistake uh, to put him in the bottom six in La I think they need to give him as much time as possible. Uh, he needs the reps uh, again, adjust to that speed, and give himself a better opportunity to earn uh, a chance to play up with the Habs at some point.
1: There we have it. It's it's
0: it's a interesting
1: discussion concerning Joshua Rua uh, because of of the translatability from the queue. Um and also the factor of, of players in the in in Laval this year, because Laval is gonna have so many great prospects in their team that it will be tough to get maybe those minutes and and continue on that goal scoring uh, cannonard as as uh, as Rua had in the queue. Final words when you come to 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 Rua. Anything you feel you haven't been allowed to say?
0: Well, I mean, the, the last thing I'd note is because, I mean, we touched on it. Like, how does the queue translate, right? A lot of people like to shit on, on the queue, right? That they think it's the it's the third best league. And, you know, I think that's a little bit of an oversimplification. The, the reality with the queue is that there just isn't very much parity. The, the bad teams are really bad. The good teams in the queue are very good. Joshua Goya was the best player on a very good team in the queue you 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 need to you, you need to kind of take a step back and go okay if you if you feel like his numbers are a little bit inflated that's fine you're you're entitled to feel that way if you're not a big fan of the q if you don't think it's a good league but how many 100 point players in any of the junior leagues come up and then score 100 points in the nhl If you adjust your expectations a little bit and you start looking at that, those projectable aspects, right? The defensive play, the penalty killing, the power play abilities, you know, the fact that he's one of the premier setup mans in the QMJHL and also happens to have one of the best shots in the QMJHL. If you look at the tools, are they projectable or are they not? If the answer is yes, which I think in his case, it's a resounding yes, that the tools that he has are projectable to the next level. Then you have to say, okay, well, what does he need to do to get to that next level? What does he need to do to have success? And I've already talked about it, right? If he can get better in that transitional aspect of his game, uh, it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for him. And he's going to be able to use some of those skills that I've already talked about. I have so much faith in this player. Uh, I've been watching him nonstop over the course of the last two years. I know a lot of people aren't very big fans of him. I would implore you, you know, um, take a look at the article, everything that I wrote. Uh, You can take a look at some of the highlights that I put up on my Twitter. I I really believe that this kid is, uh, I I think he's got top six potential with the Montreal Canadiens. And I'll go one step further. I think, and this is going to be a bit of a bold thing to say, there is a shot and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but there is a shot that he could be the answer as the other winger for Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Interesting to
1: see, interesting to hear, and interesting to follow. Matt, there's one question that I'm sure everyone that listens to this, especially the people of Hong Kong, uh,
0: will the bottom six minutes be back this year? Oh, the bottom six minutes is going to be back this year. I can guarantee you that. We're looking, uh, well, I'm looking at how I can start editing videos as well. So we might put out a video version of it, but I can guarantee you one thing. The audio version will be out as it always is after every game. Thank you so much, Matt.
1: We're looking forward to it already. And uh, I'm going to try to convince Matt to do it for the scrimmages as well. Thank you so much for listening. We're looking forward to the next episode tomorrow, where we have another forward.